You are listening to Winning with Mainstay. The opinions expressed on this edition of Pensacola Expert Panel are not necessarily those of News Radio 923 AM 1620, but rather the opinions of the sponsor, Mainstay Financial Services, with host Bob Burgey. provided on winning with mainstay financial is provided for educational purposes only and is not intended to be specific financial advice for individuals all information presented is believed to be from reliable sources and no representation is made to its accuracy views presented are those of mainstay financial and host bob burgey and do not necessarily represent the view of alpha star capital management llc alpha star capital management is an sec registered investment advisor registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor or investment advisor representative has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Opinions expressed are subject to change and do not constitute financial, legal, or tax advice. You should consult your financial professional before executing any financial strategy. Now, here's Bob Burgey. Good morning. How are you, Jen? Good morning. Happy Tuesday. How you been? Fantastic. Good. Yeah. Good. All right. Beautiful day. Nice. Overcast. My kind of weather. I like it. We need some rain here. Yeah, we do. We do. We need rain in the panhandle. Oh, yeah, desperately. We need yes. it to continue to move east, actually. That's right. Is what we need. That's right. Keep going east. All right. You well, said you have a really fantastic topic that I'm going to be oh, excited gosh. about, so I'm on the edge of my seat over yeah. here. <laughs> well, um, so um, a week or two ago, I guess it was about, yeah. Uh, not last week, but the week before, uh, Katie and I attended a conference in Orlando, and one of the segments was about lazy money. Have you ever heard of lazy money, Jenna? Like it's not doing anything for you; it's just sitting that, there. Oh, yeah. it's like you went with us. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've never, I've never really heard anybody oh, really? talk about this topic. Yeah, I've heard it one time. Really? Okay. And only because I married somebody who does not want lazy money. They do not oh, want really? to, uh, yeah, they don't want to take on lazy money. Well, good. Good. Yeah. Not a bad way to be. Not a bad way to be at all. But um, anyway, we, we attended this conference. The conference was about, um, you know, a number of things, but one of the breakout sessions was lazy money. I'd never heard the term, never really... Uh, knew what it was, but it's exactly what you said, Jen. It's about uh, money that is really not serving a purpose at this point in time. And we're not talking about money uh, in an emergency account, money in a checking account, savings account, you know, unless it's huge balances. We're talking about money that just is not serving a purpose at the particular point in time. But uh, uh, so Katie and I attended this, I would say, uh, we were fairly uh, we were fairly mesmerized by this gentleman, um, uh, but he talked about a lot of the things that you can do with lazy money. So the first thing the first thing we wanted to do, and this is all you know, we couldn't find a lot of information on it, so we took uh, we took a lot of notes. But uh, as we said, lazy money is money that isn't working. It isn't making money or doing anything for you. It is merely existing. Okay, 
existing. You know, we know some people like that, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, now it does include, you know, uh, what would what would we call it surplus amounts in your checking and savings. We're not talking about all the money in your checking and savings. We're not talking about the emergency account that we've talked about often on this show. But we're talking about uh, surplus balances and checking accounts, savings accounts, and perhaps money markets account, money market accounts. Um, and I think what it boils down to, Jenna, is just you know people think they need too much money for you know what they call a rainy day. Now that can be that can be a lot of things. Katie, what are what are some of the rainy day activities that we see? Kitchen cabinets. <laughs> Kitchen cabinets, appliances. Um, um, I'll tell you about a rainy day. How do you like this one, Jenna? A new roof. Okay, get it? Rainy uh, day. You know. Oh yeah. So yeah. emergencies. Yeah, you may need a new roof, a new air conditioner, and so people put money away for that because you know, uh, not that these are these are things that are entirely unforeseen. But at times in this part of the country, you know, you do need a new roof more than often or more than more often than uh, other parts of the country. So. All right. Are you kidding, Jenna? We have a text message already. All right. Right. And if you would like to text in or call, give us a call to our phone lines are up and working 850-437-1620 here. Bob Bergey is hosting Winning with Mainstay Financial. Okay. Katie and I are here to help. Yes. Yeah. The yes. commentary. No, okay. Let me, let me, uh, you know, since this is a text message, I'll, I will get to that. It's not some like somebody's, you know, waiting on the phone. But I wanted to finish talking about rainy day funds, okay? Um, again, uh, kitchen cabinets, yeah, you know, appliances. Um, what did we say? Roof, new roof, air conditioning. You may need a new car at some point in time, right? right. Anything else? Anything else you can think of, Jenna? Things that just need to be replaced is a rainy day fund for a vacation no 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 that's no. not a rainy day fund okay i think you know a vacation is a separate item and that's what you put money away for okay after we get past all of that that's what we call what katie lazy money oh, lazy money so we're back we're to back the to surplus. lazy surplus that's right the surplus all right um, now, there are three basic types of money uh, that, that, we, that we keep, okay? We have money for safety, we have money for liquidity, and we have money for growth. Those are the three basic categories. Um, you know, your safety money is your checking account, your operating account, um, whatever amount you might keep. Hopefully, it's not too much in savings. Um, and uh, you know that, and, and an emergency account, and possibly, you know, a vacation fund. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. Earmarking, earmarking your cash. Um, you also need money for liquidity. You've got to have an account that is liquid. Um, I'll I'll tell you a couple of accounts or types of assets that aren't liquid. Your house. Okay, typically annuities. Um, possibly that whole life insurance policy you've been paying into for a long time. These are assets that aren't liquid. Your car is not a liquid asset. It can be liquidated and turned to cash, but it's not something that is considered liquid. So liquidity and liquid accounts are very important. You also have to have growth accounts. Katie, give me an example of a growth account. Really any investment account. Any, any <laughs> of them, right. 
And what we like to talk about is, uh, you know, the money that you do invest for growth, okay? Um, when you have this lazy money, the surplus money, the money that is serving no purpose, it's not rainy day money, it's not emergency money, it's not vacation money, and it's not operating money like your checking account to pay your bills, to pay your mortgage. So after you get past all of that, you take your lazy money and uh, what, what, for example, Katie, would be the first thing you would do with lazy money? What is the low-hanging fruit here? Do you mean like contribute to a Roth IRA? Yeah. yeah. I think contributing to some sort of retirement plan. Yeah. You know, um, first and foremost, where, where should we be contributing first? I would say um, you want to first maximize your employer match with any company plan you have. Right. Right. Okay. That is, that's where the first of your lazy money goes. If you're contributing already, and let's say you're contributing 3%, 5%, that's great. But if you're running a surplus every month and you don't need that money and it's just building up in your lazy money portfolio, right? Why not increase that contribution to your employer's qualified plan? When we're talking about qualified plans, give me some example examples of those, Katie. A four hundred one k is probably the most common. Yeah, four hundred three b. Four hundred three b. Okay, so four hundred one k. You know your company plan. If you're with a, a non government entity, if you're working for a company, you typically have a four hundred one k. You may have a four fifty seven b. You know all the. You know what did we call that show? The ABCs and one two threes of uh, retirement plans. 401ks, 403bs, 401as, 457bs, yes, contribute to these plans. Um, and as, as Katie pointed out, oftentimes you, your employer provides a generous match. That match is typically 100% dollar for dollar on a, on a certain percent. Mm -hmm. It may be 3%, the first 3% dollar for dollar. So it's like you're contributing $100 to something, and somebody else is matching it with $100. Yeah, that's, that's free money. Free money. Um, I don't know I don't know about you, Katie, but I would borrow money just to make that contribution, okay? Right. I would borrow money at, I don't know, 3 4 5% to get that 100% return. That's That, by definition, is arbitrage. You are making more you guaranteed making more than the cost of funds at 5%. So pay 5% to make 100%. That works for me. How about you? Yep. Absolutely. So after you've contributed to your employer's 401k, okay? We're just going to call it a 401k. It might be something else at some other, at, you know, at, at, at some other employer. But after you've contributed to your employer's 401k, what what are some other things you might want to consider uh, funding or using that lazy money for? Yeah, I would contribute to um, your individual retirement accounts, the IRA, traditional IRA, or Roth if you qualify. Right, right. Okay. Now, that that comes with a little bit of an explanation. If you are – okay, I'm, I'm going to give you some numbers, okay? Um, I like to think of it like this. If – you are in a low tax bracket okay let's say you're younger let's say you're not making as much money as you're going to make and you're in a lower tax bracket 
and you won't receive as profound as a, as meaningful a benefit uh, that you would uh, by contributing to a traditional IRA, that being the tax benefit of uh, deducting that or, or contributing before tax dollars to a 401k. Instead of contributing to the traditional balance, because you're not going to get the full tax benefit, you may want to consider contributing to a Roth IRA. Roth IRA. What, what do we keep saying about the Roth IRA? The golden goose of all investment accounts, right? Mm-hmm. No taxes. Tax-free. Tax-free. Forever. Ta- no, hold on. Yeah. Tax-free for how long? <laughs> how long? Know. Forever. Yeah, okay. I was going to say, is there something I don't know about? <laughs> tax-free forever. The only tax-free account on the planet that I know of. Um, but, uh, you know, I think... Uh, if okay, so let me let me give you some of these numbers. If you make if you're married filing jointly, and you make under two hundred four thousand uh, joint, that's joint income, you can contribute to a Roth IRA. If you may, if you are single or head of household, and you make under one hundred twenty nine thousand dollars per year, you can contribute to a Roth IRA. Now these amounts. What's the problem with a Roth IRA, Katie? It's getting the money in there, right? Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Um, you can contribute a lot inside your employer's qualified plan. Guess what? A lot of qualified plans don't offer a Roth feature. More and more do. But the problem, and, and this is something we run into with uh, you know people that are approaching retirement, they have very, very small balances in their Roth IRA, if any, any at all. Uh, Katie, we met with some clients yesterday in their 60s. They've got lots of assets. They've got lots of traditional balances, not one penny in a Roth IRA. And that's because the Roth IRA just came into being, you know, in the past 20 years. So they, they didn't have much of a, an opportunity to contribute to it because their income was such that they received more benefit by contributing to their traditional balances. But if you make less than 129000 filing single, or as head of household, or uh, under $204,000 um, if you're filing a joint income tax return, you can contribute up to $6,000 per year to your Roth IRA and an extra $1,000 per year if you're over age 50, okay? So, Katie, how much can you contribute? 6000 <laughs> And why is that? <laughs> because I'm under 50. That's right. Jenna, how about you? Six thousand. All right. I think I'm still under fifty. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now here's the. Okay. Now be careful how you answer this. How much can I contribute? Oi. Is this? Are it, we how get much in does it look like I can contribute? Yeah. Definitely more than six thousand, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. All right. So you're a good um, sport. Yeah, I am. I set myself up for that. Okay. So. Yeah, okay, so the first thing we talked about with lazy money, max out what you can contribute to your uh, employer's con- your employer's qualified plan that they have provided for you. Now, once you've contributed um, enough that uh, wipes out the matching contribution, um, there are two schools of thought on this. You know, should I conti- continue contributing to my employer's qualified plan? With that excess, or should I open an IRA or a Roth IRA and contribute to that? 
Well, once you have maxed out your employer's matching contribution, I would say this. It's it's entirely up to you. You're limited by the choices inside your quali- in, inside your employer's qualified plan. Um, however, uh, you know, going out and opening another Roth IRA or a traditional IRA, that's entirely up to you. But, uh, you know, we see both, and, and I think there's two schools of thought there. Personally, I would rather take that excess money and have all the choices in the world inside of an investment account outside my employer's qualified plan <clears throat> than to uh, keep contributing to that plan. So, again, uh, 6000 if you're under age 50, $7,000 if you're over age 50, and you meet the income thresholds for contributing to a Roth IRA. Again, that is if your income is lower or perhaps you're uh, younger, starting out, you're n- you haven't reached your peak earning years, but it, the uh, income tax benefit of contributing to a traditional balance is not as attractive as if you were making money later in life or with a better job or, or, or just higher income. So the first thing again, Max it out on your employer's qualified plan. Second, um, look into or, or explore the possibility of contributing to a Roth IRA. Third is, we're right back to the traditional IRA. If your income is such that you receive um, a tax benefit because of your income um, uh, that is higher than, you know, than what you would get long-term by contributing to your Roth IRA, I would go ahead and make a contribution to a traditional IRA. That can be, that can be, um, uh, that can be one of two amounts, depending on what, your age, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing as the Roth. Traditional IRA, how much can you contribute if you're under age 50? 6,000. 6,000, okay. And if you're over age 50? 7,000. 7,000, an extra $1,000 for being over age 50. What do they call that? The catch-up the contribution. The catch-up contribution. For those huh. who are that's, nearing retirement. That's if you were lazy before yeah. age 50 and didn't you contribute a lot enough. Of lazy money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You didn't take advantage of that lazy money and make uh, make higher contributions or contributions at all to your Roth IRA or traditional IRA. I like that. Okay. Uh, I think from now on, we're just going to call it the catch-up contributions. And then people can ask, what is that? You know? Mm-hmm. It's Are a conversation you? opener. Don't you agree? Don't look at me like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, okay. So, beyond contributing to the employer's qualified plan, the Roth IRA and the traditional IRA with what we call lazy money, what else can you do with it? Um, I would say you'd move to your non-qualified right. accounts. I think the last thing, Investment, you know, we, we, we say this, we, we say this at our office, that if you have an extra amount of money and you meet the income thresholds, that first 6000 or 7000 depending on your age, should automatically go to a Roth IRA. Because what do we say to our clients? You know, hey, we have this account. And when you contribute money to it, and it grows, and it pays dividends, interest, uh, uh, you know, uh, there are long-term and short-term capital gains recognized inside the account, you pay no taxes on that for the life of the account, all right? So there's no tax consequences on this account. It's tax-free 
even after you draw it, draw it out um, at, after perhaps age 59 and a half. So at age 59 and a half, even when you reach that age and you choose to take money out of your Roth IRA, guess what? What do you pay in taxes? Your income. You pay oh, sorry, zero. You pay zero. zero. You pay zero out of your Roth IRA. So it sounds like a great account, right? The problem is what? Getting the money in there. You're limited. 6000 a year or 7000 a year if you're over age 50. Okay. So what you can do, and you can put any amount in just a plain vanilla investment account, right? Right. Titled, right. titled jointly with your spouse, titled in your name only. It could be transferable on death to children, to, to anyone you choose, but it's a... Uh, it's a non-qualified, non-retirement account. That would be, uh, you know, I guess in this scenario, the fourth choice, what to do with lazy money, right? Okay. So um, after contributing to all of these accounts, what do we have? What do we have? What would you do? What would you do? I would pay down debt, okay? You're, you're able to contribute. Now look. Now, look, let's back up a little. If your debt is over a certain amount, let's say, and I'm talking about an interest rate, if it's high interest rate debt, credit card debt, now you may want to pay pay down some of that debt uh, before contributing to that last account, right? Right, right. And, and what do you think is that um, interest rate that's, you know... <sighs> What's the magic number? What's the high? What is my line in the sand? Yeah, the line in the what sand. what amount of interest will I refuse to pay? I'd say at this point in time it's somewhere around five percent. How about you, Katie? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I, mine might even be lower. You just secured a mortgage, okay? You're yeah. at you're at right around three percent, right? Yeah. That's so, that's good debt. Yeah, so we if can you have live a with surplus that. of cash right. sitting around. And, and then you have debts. You have debts. And I'm talking about bad debt. Debts There's good debt and bad debt. Have interest rates. Right. Take a look Your, at those interest rates. You would continue to finance something under 5%. Absolutely. And contribute to yeah. investment and the, accounts. And the real litmus test is this. Do I think my money that is being more. invested is going to grow faster than the 5% or under? And I'm not paying 5%. Right. Come on. Who are you talking right, to right. here? Okay. Do you think I'm paying 5% on anything? <laughs> right. Okay. So, uh, hey, but there are some student loan debts that are getting up there, right? Right. Katie, you have student I loans. I have student yeah. loan debts. Are yeah. any over 5%? Some some are, I think. Huh. I know. So maybe I maybe well, I shouldn't be saying my, my number's lower. Cause why I haven't your parents paid to help you pay <laughs> right. them off? <on>? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. I'm yeah. just, yeah. Holding off on paying yeah, those. Yeah. Okay. At so all. you you have. Hoping dad comes in. You to have save the day. what? What is your? Uh, what is the interest rate? You have some at six. I do think some are at six. Okay. Yeah, I think I'd get but those paid off. But it has been, you know, there's been a lot of deferment with COVID. Gotcha. I was also getting my MBA once you go back to school. Right. They're deferred. So I've been, I've been, on deferred. On loans, deferral. Or. On deferral. On, on deferral. deferral. Yeah. For a long time. And also when you're in school. That, that's what I'm saying. That's another deferral. I was deferral. in school right. and okay. then COVID. When you graduated, you're done. Okay. 
You and got everything. You finally grad. Okay, let's point that out. <laughs> yeah, I Kate, feel like people think Katie's I just graduated. Years old. Yeah, she's college, but she got her MBA, <laughs> and that cost some money. But uh, anyway, that's okay. That's okay. I think that's good debt. Student loan, good debt. You got to pay it off though. And I think you know you pick and choose, right? You and I have gone through this exercise. Which one? It's a pretty simple exercise, right? Yep. You pay off the high, higher High interest, interest ones? Highest yeah. interest rate. If you just rate. make a list of your debts and their interest rates. Yeah. I'd, I'd start paying the high interest rates one first. Okay. And we are going to pick up with that after the break. Um, but what we want to do is we'll talk a little bit more about debt and some other remedies for this lazy money. Because it gets a little more interesting, I think, you know, with the HELOCs, the home equity lines, and, and what you can do to... Uh, uh, to really put the uh, uh, lazy money to work. Okay, news break. Here we go. All right, yeah, we're going to take a quick break here and uh, check on into the Jenna, rolling the rolling the good tunes, okay? We, yeah. <laughs> we could uh, we could just listen to that song. You know, that's what our listeners are saying, okay? We could just listen to the song, you know? They, you know, they're mu- they're music deprived on news radio, right? Just a little <sighs> This is news radio. There's no music playing except for that, okay? Oh, you pay you play ACDC for Andrew. Okay, all right. Well, yeah, we can't spoil we can't spoil our listeners, right? We give them a little, you know, a slow diet of <laughs> tunes, right? Okay. Okay. Hey. Okay. I get that all the time. All right. The number, the number at our office at Mainstay is 850-437-1620. Again, 850-437. Oh, I, I am so sorry. That's our number here at the radio station. I apologize. Our number, our number, listener, is 850-437-3127. That's the number at the office. If you have a, if you have a question, a comment, a concern, if you want to just weigh in on anything we're talking about, and we're talking about lazy money today, but anything lazy, if you want to talk about, you know, lazy people, call us, <laughs> 850-437-1620. All right. So Katie had an interesting comment during the break. She wanted me to point out something. Have at it, Katie. Well, I was saying that... On Roth IRAs. Yeah, Roth IRAs and IRAs. I am painting... A and picture that they're all retirement accounts. Yeah. Some listeners, those under fifty nine and a half, <laughs> are probably thinking, "Well, those aren't really liquid accounts." Yeah. When that is not when, rainy day money. That is, you know, am I going to make it 
to age 59 and a half money, right? Right. Okay. So there is something, there is a nuance, very interesting about Roth IRAs. Please, please go ahead and share that. Yeah. So with Roth IRAs, for every, or every dollar you contribute to a Roth IRA can be pulled out penalty-free. Tax-free. Tax-free. Right. Just not the earnings. Right. Now, there are some five-year rules. Okay. There's a term that you need to wait. But I, you know, and sometimes we do this. When we talk about a retirement account, a Roth IRA, a traditional IRA, you know, those are, you know, pretty much the two, what we call uh, once you retire um, or outside of your company uh, retirement plans mm -hmm. or retirement accounts, Roth IRAs and traditional IRAs. Are the individual. And, yes, the individual retirement accounts. Retirement accounts. Open. Right. So when we, when we're talking about that, we're, we're talking about them like they are going to be serving a purpose, right? And that purpose is to supplement your retirement when right. you're no longer working. And here we here we are. We spend our lives, right, Jenna, scratching and clawing, trying to climb that mountain, you know, to get to that holy grail of retirement, okay? And yes, as Katie pointed out, with the Roth IRAs, you can pull money out penalty-free. I've actually seen where people have put money in a Roth IRA, had uh, had that money in a Roth IRA, and maybe five, six, eight, ten years later, used it, you know, taken out the money that was contributed, which is not taxable. Mm -hmm. And once you keep it in there that long, well, there's no penalty. Well, you know, if it's going to sit in a savings account ver or a Roth IRA, I know you've been against this when I brought it up to you. Okay. But why wouldn't you put... 6000 into the Roth IRA, let that earn for you tax-free for 10 years. Exactly. And then even if you do need to pull some of your contribution out, I'd much rather, I'd much rather always max yeah. out a Roth IRA. Now you're talking, sister. Yeah, because you put that... Rather than keep it in a savings account. Exactly. Because let it go to work for you, even if you do need it. Right. Right. At, like at the end of the day. So as we said, that first six or $7,000, depending on your age, why wouldn't it go into a Roth IRA? Okay. If you need it in less than five, if you need it, if, you know, if it's money that, you know, you're saving money to buy a home in two years. Okay. Mm -hmm. I can see it not going into a Roth IRA, but yeah, I have seen where people do that and actually use it as their savings account. Right. And that is not a bad way to go. That is. Why wouldn't th you? That listeners is the opposite of lazy money, right? Right. Putting money in a Roth IRA. One day you may use it, but again, as Katie pointed out, you do not have to wait until age 59 and a half. Um, okay. Hey, we have a we have a question. Let me read the question and answer it, because uh, this came in uh, a little bit ago, and we want to make sure it's answered. Um, okay, here's the question: If I am drawing Social Security from my ex-husband, will that qualify me for Medicare benefits since I have never worked? Okay, um, okay. By definition, um, by definition, um, anyone over sixty-five qualifies for Medicare, okay, if they have worked, if you've worked, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get into credits, quarters, or hours, or anything like that, but basically 10 years, okay, and paid Medicare taxes. Um, that is basically the barrier to entry. Now, it sounds like 
Uh, the question says, I am drawing Social Security from my ex-husband. It sounds like that is a spousal benefit, okay? If you have been married and you are now divorced and that marriage lasted 10 years and at the time that you are, quali- that you are applying for Social Security, you are not, again, remarried. Now, you could have been married again, but at the time you're applying, making application for Social Security, you can receive benefits based on your ex-spouse's uh, Social Security benefits. All right? That's very important. Um, again, you must have been married for 10 years. You know, and, and that uh, I hope I've answered your, your question, <laughs> listener, but uh, it seemed like uh, it was basically about uh, Social Security and your ex-husband and being able to qualify for Medicare benefits. Um, and, uh, you know, those are the rules governing both. But, uh, um, okay, Katie, let's go through them. Lazy money. First, take that money and put it in your um, employer's qualified plan. Uh, you know, in your account, inside your employer's qualified plan mm-hmm. that they provided for you, take advantage of the matching contribution to the extent you can, possibly more. Second, if a Roth IRA benefits you, given your tax bracket, and you do not, uh, uh, you meet the income tax thresholds, go ahead and make a, a Roth IRA contribution. 6000 if under 50 7000 if over age 50, those are the limits. Of course, you can can contribute less. Um, next is the traditional IRA, and that's if your income is such that you want to use the income tax deduction uh, that you would receive by making the contribution to the traditional IRA. Again, there are income limits and also income limits uh, based on whether you have a plan uh, that your employer provides for you, okay? We're not going to get too... Go ahead. Go and ahead, Katie. And, yeah, de- can you contribute to both a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA? You can contribute to I both, but the limit the limit is six or 7000 okay? Period. Right. So, Within any IRA for that right. year. So, so the income limits for contributing to a traditional IRA, if you are covered by your employer's qualified plan, is $109,000 married filing jointly, okay? Not a lot of money. Um, if you are single or filing, if you are filing single or as head of household, okay, the the income limit is $68,000 to make a deductible contribution to a traditional IRA. Okay, very, very important. It, so the rules change if you are covered by your employer's plan. Okay, um, so for, and that, that, you know, kind of leads you down the road of contributing to your employer's qualified plan as opposed to contributing to your individual retirement account. Um, okay, so we have those three that we, you know, that we articulated, the qualified plan, the Roth IRA, the traditional IRA, and then the non-qualified account or individual or joint account, but the non-retirement account that you open and choose to invest money in. So those are the four, I I would say, traditional investment vehicles. Now, what else can you do with lazy money? We talked about paying debt, paying down debt. That's a a super idea, and it may supersede some of those other ones, especially if it's high credit card debt. But we 
definitely want to differentiate between good debt and bad debt. And that's a very simple exercise. Uh, and, you know, we're happy to help you with that. You know, we're ha happy to sit down and identify what debts to pay. Um, again, give us a call at the office, 850-437-1620. Or if you have a question to ask on this show, please uh, please go ahead and ask it. Um, okay, paying down debt. Uh, we talked about student loan debt. Uh, probably not that bad. Uh, a home mortgage, not bad at all, right? Yeah, would you say um, you classify good and bad debt based on the interest rate or... Is it other things like it's, it's consumer debt? It's really which is credit okay. Card debt, okay, always I'm bad. not. I'm not going to go as far to say that all debt is bad. Okay, right. I think uh, I, you know there's good debt and bad debt. Mm -hmm. The home mortgage that gets you inside a home and uh, prevents you from having to pay rent the rest of your life that's probably good debt. Now there's there are mortgage interest rates that are way higher than what than what you're paying katie and mm -hmm. that's because people haven't taken care of their credit and uh, you know they have to pay higher interest rates but um that would be considered good debt a home equity line of credit and i want to talk a little bit more about that here in just a moment uh not bad debt either okay and, and we're going to talk about the home equity line of credit and how that weaves its way into lazy money as well but if you have um uh, student loans, good yeah. grief. Just you, look at look at the interest rate. It's right on the website, right? Well, you always seem to tell me that my student loans are good debt. I, I don't know if you're just trying to get off I the think, hook oh, there. Oh, no, it's not my, they're not my <laughs> loans. They're not my loans, child. But, uh, you know, it's good debt. Look what you get, you know. You, you've got a great education. You've got a great education from Loyola University, and you got your MBA from uh, University of Colorado. You know, and you know, you're done going through the the COVID pandemic. It proved that theory proved true somewhat. Yeah. Where you know, I got a good year or two two year break. Yeah. From having to pay those off whatsoever, and that's two years of just free. Debt, yeah. <laughs> free money. So explain this to me. During the global pandemic, was it a deferral on having to make any payments at all? I did not have to pay anything, but I was also in school part of that time. Okay. Already so, not paying anything. So were, did the interest stop accruing as well? I believe so. Wow. At yeah. least for some time. They may have like turned that, you know, there were a lot of updates. Yeah, I wouldn't have paid those off. I would right. wait till they turn it back on, you know, back when you have to... You know, once the interest starts accruing, because I do remember a couple of them being over 5%, maybe mm -hmm. in the sixes. But typically, excuse me, typically good debt. Good debt because... Um, well, because the, things like that can happen. It's it's interesting. Or, you know, the interest, someone uh, well, could come into office and there'd be yeah. new forgiveness type <laughs> things yeah. that pass. But it is interesting. What is, you know, we saw that. It's, you know, it's in the trillions student right. loan debt and you know what no it shouldn't be forgiven come right. on you know um i'm not paying for that are you jenna you paying for everybody's <laughs> student loans you paying for katie's student loans i really hope not and all these people we <laughs> I don't, don't have any students I so that was yeah. really kind of i mean come crummy. on now yeah there you know i saw some special on that and you know bernie i, I don't want to even get into that but paying debt you know 
taxpayers paying down student loan debt that makes no sense to me um, so I did want to make one more comment on student loans if you if you have student loans and they are getting they are getting high you know what uh, pay those off I, I like the idea of paying down debt just not bad debt one other thing I want to say about student loans remember you're going to pay a higher rate of interest because why they are an unsecured loan right Mm-hmm. On a mortgage, you know, oh, your your gotcha. your home is the collateral that that backs up the loan. Mm-hmm. But on your student loan, what's the collateral? Your, your graduation cap? Yeah, I mean, really. So again, it's an unsecured loan. So uh, all right, all right, we've covered debt and what to do, what to do with that. Um, so um, okay, we have another question here. Uh, we have two questions. All right, let me, Katie, listen to this one, and I'll let you answer this. I am 42 years old. I have cash in my checking account, savings account, and my emergency account. What should I do with the excess cash? Well, you can just kind of go through those the options that we mentioned earlier. Yeah. First and foremost, are you employed? Yeah. If you are? Does maximize em- the employer match yeah, that is the, the least you should do in an employer plan to a- me absolutely i think that's the uh i think that's the very first go-to all yeah. right your employer's qualified plan can you increase the contribution or are you contributing at all and honestly i don't think this listener is is you know beyond that it's the roth ira the traditional ira the investment right. account then pay down absolutely debt. i would I w- you know, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night if I didn't max out a Roth IRA every year. You right. want to hit that 6,000. You do. You do. Because what limit. what's what's the only problem with a Roth IRA? It's getting the money in there. Oh, it's getting very the money very in there, but difficult. What do you Not mean your by age. that? Okay. I don't really know what you mean Ma- by that. Maybe that's because <laughs> it's been of my easy age. For me. No. <laughs> Maybe it's because of my age. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to go in there. What is the problem there? It's yeah. not, I, or it makes it sound like look, there's some difficult look, process you have look, to go through. I am getting a late start on Roth IRAs. They oh, weren't around. Okay, but getting, I mean, but you just contribute, like you they contribute didn't to anything. They exist when I was your age. Right. They weren't, I uh, gotcha. you know. So if, do you feel like you're playing catch up? <laughs> Do we need to hold your hand um, while we talk uh, about this? Are you okay? Uh, okay, look. Roth IRAs didn't even exist till really the He's year a 2000. Okay, 2000 sound you you all had pacifiers. Okay, back then. All right. 2000, I was I was grown and had kids and and that's when Roths came out. So no, I did not have the opportunity to contribute to Roth IRAs. And you're um, just saying because of the income qualifications. Well, the income qualifications. And look, they back in 2000, guess what the guess what the maximum contribution to a Roth IRA was back then? What? 2000? 2000. <laughs> so in 22 years it's tripled. Wow. Yeah. That's exactly right. Are you impressed right. with my math? No. <laughs> I'm kind of hey, no, no, no. <laughs> No, uh, no. When you think about it, it wow, has tripled. Jenna. What what has tripled in quick. value in the last twenty years? But no, I mean, you know, the anyway. Yeah, I've got. I, I wish uh, I had a time machine, yeah. and if, and and I could. 
go back and yeah. contribute to Roth IRAs. Yeah, that would have been nice. I didn't have the opportunity. You do. For our young listeners, you have no idea what I'm talking about. If you're my age, if you're 60 years old, or even if you're 50s, you just haven't had the same opportunities to contribute to a Roth IRA. And they're, it's the best account on the planet, right? Name a Absolutely. Better, name a better account. Okay. Now, um, and that, yeah. we, we have another question. Katie, tackle this one. If you are over age 70, how much can you contribute to a Roth IRA? It's kind of a trick question. Is it? Uh, but, the, but well, what well, do you, what you, do you have to have? You have to, to have earned income. You have to have a J-O-B job, so right? So your contribution to any IRA has to be earned income, meaning you have to have reported at least that the amount of your contribution on a tax return for that year. That's right. That's right. You have to have earned income to contribute to any IRA. But isn't there a oh, cutoff hold on. age? There is a non-deductible. We won't get it. The non-deductible contributions. But to, to contribute, to make a deductible contribution to a traditional IRA or to make a contribution, of course, that is non-deductible to a Roth IRA, you have to have income. That's the first thing. Uh, go ahead. Um, is there... Is there a cutoff age for contributions? You know, or, there's an age where it doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, is that just RMD look, age? Let me tell you, if you are, if you're 70 and you're drawing down Social Security, and you are, you're um, age 70. You if you're taking, okay. if you're not taking RMDs at age 70, but you're about to, or maybe you're already drawing down, maybe you have pension income and everything else. Um, you know, you, you know, let. You know, at age 70, you know, the older you are, the less it's going to help you. That's everything, right? That goes for everything. But um, as long as you make, as long as you have earned income at at age 70, you would be able to do that. Okay, I want to talk about the home equity line of credit. Fascinating, all right? Look at Jenna. She can't stand it. Okay, the home <laughs> equity line of credit, also known as the HELOC. The HELOC. The HELOC. Okay, let me tell you about my experience with the HELOC, okay? About 30 years ago, one of my good friends uh, became the local bank president at one of, the, one of the local banks and said, hey, we've got this great product. And I said, yeah, I might, you know, and then, you know, worked on me a little more. And and lastly, uh, you know, he, 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 he wore me down. He said, you need this. And I was like, I really don't need this. I already have a mortgage. But the home equity line of credit, the most important uh, letter there is the L. It's not a loan. It's a line of credit. You can draw on it when you need it. It's like an invisible checking account that you can write. You know, I had a checkbook. You could write checks on it. And, and I'm going to bring this all together at the end here. But when you have a line of credit, you can write checks. They give you a debit card. And it's, it's an account. It has no none of your money in it, but every time you use it, you've created a little loan, and you have to pay interest. But you link that to your checking account. It affords you the opportunity to be a little bit sloppy with your checking account because if, if you overdraw it, it takes money out of your HELOC, okay? So I used this thing for about 30 years. And the whole point of this, of, of my bringing up the HELOC, is it allows you to take some of this lazy money and put it in your employer's qualified plan. 
the Roth IRA, the traditional IRA, or in an individual account, individual investment account. Because when you have the HELOC attached to your checking account, you don't need that emergency cash. Follow? Yes. <laughs> Listeners, I'm looking thank you. confused at him. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Call us at the office at Mainstay. The number is 850-437-3127. It's been a blast. Thank you, Jenna. We'll, we'll see you next week.